Hello from Inspire Legal at New York Law School in New York City, New York. I'm Lawrence Galetti. And I'm Ralph Baxter. And we're on the road with Legal Talk Network. And we're back. We're at the Inspire Legal Conference. Uh, We ran across uh, Mr. Ralph Baxter. He was giving a fireside chat at the event earlier today, and he's come by uh, to uh, give us an interview. I know he's got uh, a rush to the airport here pretty soon. So before we get started on his uh, topic du jour, I want to learn a little bit more about you, Ralph. And by the way, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So do you have a really interesting uh, history at work? Now, you're doing something new now, but you were recently at Oryx. So how about give us a brief uh, catch-up on your bio? Where do you work? What do you do? And a little bit of your history. So I was a lawyer for a long time. I was at Oryx for 40 years, the last 23 of which I served as the uh, chairman and CEO of the firm. And, and we had a, a very interesting time as we grew and, and uh, modernized uh, Oryx as, as a leading provider of legal service. Uh, and then five years ago, I left the firm and uh, wrote my own major, and I made it my mission uh, to help modernize the way legal service is delivered. And that's what I've been doing in a lot of different ways. You had a pretty steep increase in revenue uh, while you were there, correct? Right. Or it grew, during my time, it, it grew from about $72 million to $850 million in revenue, uh, and from around 100 lawyers to about 1,100 lawyers. Wow, that's a big increase. Well, let's get to the fireside chat. So uh, as I understand, it's, it was talking about innovation, talking about uh, creating an innovative culture. And so why don't we get the 50,000 foot? Just give us a general synopsis. So Oric is an innovative law firm. And I had the fortuity when I became chairman uh, that the firm had just gone through a difficult couple of years because of a change in law that had decreased the demand for a key element of our service. So the partners had a sense that if we didn't continue really to be uh, creative in what we did and where we did it and how we did it, uh, that the future might not always be reliably bright. And that was really helpful in getting the firm on a, a path to innovation. And the earliest things we did were to change some of the economic elements of, the, of our business model, uh, expand our practice mix, uh, extend our geographic reach, all of which were r- relatively fundamental things to do. But we got into a pattern of embracing change with confidence that it would ultimately be better for the firm and all of the people that were counting on the firm. And that influenced our Uh, culture and our outlook about uh, innovation and change. When you say economic elements, what uh, what are you referring to? First of all, we looked at the markets. Uh, We looked at who really we were competing against, set targets for ourselves, and that helped us grow in a more expeditious way than we had before. As we went through time, we changed a lot more than that. We changed the way we priced for our services. We were very aggressive in moving to alternate fee arrangements uh, early in, in the game. And then we changed a lot of other things. We changed uh, the way the, the career path uh, was articulated for associates. Uh, in the traditional model of a law firm, if you're an associate, there's only one occasion in your career that you have a chance to be promoted, and that's partner. You either are or you're not. At Oric, we created a system in which there are three different times that you might get promoted, 
and each one gives you a way to evaluate whether or not you are progressing. Each one comes with an economic increase and, a, and, and other uh, characteristics, a different title and so on, and that made the career of an associate at Oric more rewarding along the way. The biggest change that we made, though, was creating a global operations center, which we located in Wheeling, West Virginia, 17 years ago. We realized that the cost we were incurring to do everything in the most expensive real estate in the world, which by definition is where we were, because we were in these major cities, New York City, San Francisco, Tokyo, and so on, incurred unnecessary cost. We could certainly do so many of our functions less expensively somewhere else. Well, we learned not only could we do it less expensively, we could do it better. The synergy of putting all of the people who did all of those services in one place made it better. And so we, over the period of these 17 years, that reduced the cost to the law firm and therefore the embedded cost that the client uh, would end up paying in fees. We increased the productivity, efficiency, and quality of all of those services. And in the end, we ended up having over 150 lawyers in Wheeling, West Virginia, doing elements of the practice that didn't need to be done in the locations where the practices were focused. And that model now has been followed by law firms all over the world. I think this is a problem that professional sports teams face, but uh, you know, in terms of geographic desirability, you're talking about going from these major cities to a smaller venue. Did you find that had any impact on the retention of talent? You know, like if you're going from New York City or Los Angeles, and maybe it's one of these lawyers that's like, "Oh, really excited about being in a big city," and now you're asking them to go elsewhere. Was there any problem with retention? No, we never ask anybody to go to Wheeling, West Virginia. Everyone whose job moved from San Francisco or New York or someplace to Wheeling was offered a transfer if they wanted it. And if they didn't, we tried to find something else for them to do in the firm. And, and we, were, we were empathetic and supportive of, of people whose jobs moved. But we never, we never required anyone to move. Every lawyer that we hired in uh, Wheeling we hired for Wheeling, someone who wanted to be in Wheeling, and there are a lot of people who want to live in smaller town America. In fact, the state of West Virginia is particularly full of people who would like to go home, who had to move somewhere else because there weren't the jobs any longer in West Virginia, and when there were, they were happy to move home to have a rewarding, high-paying, clean, safe job at Oric in Wheeling, West Virginia. In some of your early analysis, when you were looking at uh, the revenue efficiency of the firm and you're looking at the practice areas, were there some areas you just cut loose because it was too expensive to operate within those uh, different fields? We didn't cut things loose, but we were constantly watching how all of our practice areas, all of our engagements fit to the strategy of the firm. Oric's strategy is to aim at high value engagements engagements where the clients have a lot at stake and where the lawyers make a significant difference in the outcome for the client. And if matters don't fit both of those uh, criteria, they don't fit to the business model of Oric. Even with our modernization, the cost of delivering legal service is still very high. And it's only appropriate to serve clients with that cost level that you have to start with when the value to them is at a very high level. So, so we watched that. We watched to make sure that whatever we did fit, and over time, some of the things that we did fit less well, and, and then either the group, the practice area, augmented the mix of, of engagement so that it did fit the high value engagement, or we made some other change. 
We started to discuss this a little bit earlier, uh, key performance indicators. You were uh, alluding to some of them. And of course, that's uh, a big buzzworthy phrase now, key performance indicators. And so, uh, Ralph, I'm just wondering, you know, in the analysis that you all were doing, uh, what were some of the, the best key performance indicators, the best metrics for firms to be taking a look at? Well, let me start with what is not a good metric. Okay. And it is the predominant metric that law firms, AMLA 100 law firms in particular, use to measure their success, and that is profits per partner. And I don't believe that's a healthy way to measure the economic performance of, of a law firm for a lot of reasons. And at Oric, uh, during my time, we did not measure performance that way. So we looked at other things. So we looked at our market share, for example. We looked at our client share. And of course, we looked at the productivity of our lawyers. And those were the metrics that mattered. I think, I think going forward, law firms can do even better in measuring how well they are managing the cost of everything they do, uh, how well they are maintaining a reliable and adequate profit margin, and then how well they are pricing to what the market is asking for. The market today for sophisticated legal service wants it to be delivered less expensively. All that the client knows how really to ask for is a discount. And in law firm economics, a discount off of your top line has dramatic impact on your bottom line unless you make a lot of other changes along the way. And so one of the most important issues in the business model of law firms today is re-examining how you assemble resources, how you deploy resources on matters, and what kind of a profit margin you're trying to hit so that you can uh, meet the demands of the market for more cost-effectively, a more balanced price, a lower price for legal services, and at the same time still make a profit. And I think the, the action items that it are required to do that not only will achieve more market share, it will make the internal level of job satisfaction of all of the people in the law firm much higher. Well, I have one last question for you, Ralph. I know you got to catch your flight. So uh, if our listeners, they're hearing this podcast, they'd like to reach out to you, have some questions, uh, how can they reach you? They can reach me at ralph at ralphbaxter.com. That's it? That's no, it. No, uh, no social media handles, no... Uh, oh, yeah, at Ralph Baxter on Twitter, yeah. Excellent, excellent. Well, we reached the end of the road for today's episode, but I want to thank our guest, Ralph Baxter, for joining us today. Thanks, sir. Well, I, it was a pleasure for me to do it. And I also want to thank our listeners for tuning in. And if you like what you heard today, please subscribe, rate, and review us in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcasting app. We'll see you next time for another episode of On the Road with Legal Talk Network. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS. Find us on Twitter and Facebook. Or download our free Legal Talk Network app in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thank you.